Hello football fans and welcome to another edition of Friday Night Football Replay, a Ken's 5 podcast all about high school football in the San Antonio area. I'm Cameron Songer, joining me today, Vinny Venzetta, Ken's 5 sports reporter and anchor. Vinny, the calendar has flipped to November. We're coming down to the wire, the last two weeks of the regular season. We just played week 10, that's the second to last week, and we'll talk about week 11, the last games of the regular season. It's do or die time for a lot of these high school football teams here in the Alamo City. Vinny, we have a lot to talk about this week. Let's jump right into the action. Second to last week of the regular season here, week 10. And there were plenty of really good games to talk about. We'll start like we usually do in 26-6A, uh, home of the number one team in the San Antonio area. It's been that way for a while now. The Judson Rockets continue to just take care of business. Uh, they remain perfect on the year with a 49-9 victory over East Central. Not really surprised, but it, you know, doing it is another matter entirely. Yeah, it's been status quo as usual for those guys. Uh, great offense this year under first-year head coach uh, Rodney Williams. Uh, Mike Chandler, the, the Johnson Jaguar transfer from a couple of years ago, he's had great command of their offense. And uh, they have a really young defense, which Coach Williams has talked a lot about this season. A lot of young players on that side of the ball, but they've played really well, and I think they've obviously gelled over the course of this regular season. And to, to hold uh, East Central, who, by the way, is, a little bit better this year to hold those guys under 10 points kind of shows you where the, those young uh, Rockets defensive guys are. Well Judson has one more game to go to get to a perfect regular season. We'll talk about that game in a little bit but it's going to be a very good test for them right before the playoffs start because they'll be facing the Clemens Buffaloes and Clemens is another very good team still unbeaten in that district as well as uh, they got that way by winning a close game against New Braunfels. The Unicorns gave them a good fight this past Friday, uh, but it was a 30-20 to win on the road for Clemens as they get to 6-0 in that district. Uh, Clemens has a really good defense again this year. I, I'm not sure it's as good as it was last year, but still very, very good. Their big question coming in the last couple of years has been who was going to step in there for the great uh, Frank Harris, who has had uh, more bad injury luck with UTSA, but that's a a conversation for another day, but I, I think they're growing offensively with quarterback um, Max. Uh, uh, there, there's always some questions about how to say his last name, but I believe it's uh, Dadamencio. I, I think that's right. Or yeah. Dadamenico, one of the mm -hmm. two. But anyway, he's uh, he's playing better and better, and New Braunfels uh, is a better program this year under head coach uh, Glenn Mangold. But as you said, uh, another good win for Clemens, and uh, going to be pretty epic uh, when they face the, the Little Rockets. Can't wait. That should be a fun one as well. Also in that district, another very good team in that district. They started off with a tough schedule. They're starting to get the ball rolling. That's the Steel Knights. Uh, they won another one, four in a row now for Steel, as they uh, handle New Braunfels Canyon 35-7. to you know, their offense has been hit or miss uh, at times this year. Uh, quarterback uh, Wyatt Beagle is a guy that I think is going to play college ball, just a matter of, of, of where. But uh, I think offensively, as you point out there, they're, they're, they're getting a little bit more dialed in, and this is the right time of the year to do that. And, of course, on defense, they've got the ball-hawking Jalen Jones as one of their uh, defensive backs. That guy is just a monster, and he can actually line up and play some uh, receiver for head coach David Sines as well there in uh, Cibolo. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, of course, they'll be Division II in the playoffs, so uh, not going to have the same road as, say, uh, Judson and others. But uh, they're a playoff team for sure, and uh, look forward to seeing what those guys can do. Yeah, that win for Steele pretty much locks up the playoff berth. Still a lot more intrigue in that district to talk about in terms of what will happen with that fourth and final playoff spot. And uh, staying in the race with the win in Week 10 was Smithson Valley. The Rangers went on the road, won 
at San Marcos, 42-7. to That's a big win for Smithson Valley. It is, and this district drives head coach Larry Hill insane because, you know, he's got to come out of Hill Country and try to navigate the, the Judsons and the Steels and, and, and the Clemens. So it's a tough road to go, but uh, they are back to 500. The one thing we know historically about Larry Hill teams is maybe they don't have all the talent in the world, but they're going to be where they need to be. They play disciplined, sound, X's and O's football. Um, so they always do the job. It's just how they're going to keep up with some of those really tough teams down here uh, in, in the city. But, uh, yeah, they, they've got a chance to, to play on. Yeah, so Smithson Valley usually had 3-3 three and three in that district. They lost to Steele, Clemens, and Judson, who were considered the top three teams in that district. Yeah. And if you uh, handle your business against the rest, of the, the rest of the pack, usually that's good enough for fourth in that last playoff spot. We'll talk about the playoff picture in that district in, in a few minutes when we start previewing the, the last week of the season. But let me tell you, it, things could get really weird if, if there are a couple weird results that bounce the wrong way in that district. But I think Smithson Valley feels pretty confident going into their last game of the season, which will be against New Braunfels. Uh, turning our attention a little bit closer to downtown San Antonio now, District 27-6A. And coming into this week, uh, Madison was in first, then Roosevelt and Johnson. And we're keeping an eye on Churchill and Reagan for that last playoff spot. This will be a theme throughout the podcast this week as we get down to the wire, talking about the different uh, playoff races. But in this district this past week, Roosevelt handled Lee 56-7 and a good one between Johnson and Churchill. Johnson just squeaking by with a 14-13 win at Comalander Stadium. I was at that game for a little bit on Friday night uh, over there at Comalander, as you just said, and, and Churchill um, had, had a lead most of the way, but a, a dadgum missed extra point uh, uh, allowed that game to not uh, get into uh, to extra time, but uh, it, it looked like Johnson was really struggling, but they, they got one more touchdown, and there you go. It's a one-point win for the Jags, 14-13. That's a big missed opportunity for Churchill as we'll talk about the playoff picture in just a minute. Uh, the two other games in that district were on Saturday night at Comalander. Madison blanked South Sand 30 to nothing, and Reagan getting right back in the mix with a 35-6 to win against MacArthur. Reagan has, of course, had quarterback issues all year with the great uh, Travis Staley, who's headed on a baseball scholarship to the University of Texas. He's had a couple of different now ongoing injury issues that have kind of plagued his season. Uh, the, the kid Lorenz has been in there. Lance Lorenz, I believe, is his name under center for, for Reagan. And I think he's gotten better as this season has progressed, but some work to do in the final week of the regular season for the Rattlers for sure. Yeah, coming into this week, they were a game behind Churchill, but they had the tiebreaker against the Chargers. Now with the Churchill loss and the Reagan win, they're both 3-3 three and three in that district, I think. So what it comes down to for this last week of the season, in terms of getting that fourth and final playoff spot, Reagan, if they win, they're in. So that's a big opportunity for the Rattlers with all the things that have gone on this season for them to still be able to make that playoff appearance is big time. It's great this time of the year, right? It's going to be considered a regular season game, but it might as well be a playoff week. So many teams playing there for their are, lives. There are a lot of those. And to get in, so have that mentality already. And it's November, so why not, huh? Yeah. Let's turn our attention to 28-6A. That's what... Uh, David Flores and I like to call the, the Big Ten in San Antonio. That's ten, right. <laughs> ten teams, four playoffs. It's all north side ISD. They lump them all together. In a, in a ten game regular season, you play nine district games. So it really is a, a mental test as well as a physical test for some of these teams. Uh, Brandeis leading the pack with Brendan and O'Connor right behind them. And again, that fourth playoff spot is where the interest is. Uh, it's between Jay, Stevens, and Warren coming into these last two weeks of the season. And here in week 10, let's talk about how some of those teams did. Stevens, 
stayed in the, on the winning trail. They defeated Taft 21-7. That was the Thursday night game at Gus. That's really important for the Falcons. They sort of have the inside track. Yeah, they do. And, and, and they're one of those teams where, again, uh, this week means everything. And it's basically a de facto uh, playoff week uh, for those kids. And, and, and to, be a, to be a young program with uh, head coach Anthony Boykin, who... Let me check my math here. He may have worked with uh, Coach uh, Bush at Seguin. I'm trying to recall where he came from, but he's a new coach with that program with Colin Hernandez, now has a job inside uh, Northside Athletics. But, yeah, good for those kids to, 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 to get a win like they did 21-7. Perhaps the game of the weekend 6A this past week was a matchup that brought Brennan and O'Connor together. Both of those teams will be in the playoffs. They came in with 6-1 and one district records. It sort of becomes about seeding. It becomes about where things will end up shaking out in terms of who's Division One, who's Division Two. A great game, sort of a, a playoff warm-up, so to speak, just because there's not a ton on the line. They're not going to win the district, and they're not going to fall out of the playoffs, but still a very good competitive game at Ferris Stadium on Friday night. O'Connor prevails 42-28. Brennan's had quarterback issues. They lost their number one uh, signal caller early in the year, and that was a real setback for them. But O'Connor's kind of 1B, I think, under Brandeis, who clearly is, I would say, honestly, head and shoulders, really offensively for sure, above everybody else uh, in in that district and, and in Northside. But, uh, yeah, good win for, for OC. And, uh, and Brennan, as you mentioned, they're going to be a playoff team. Uh, they've had some issues uh, with injuries, but we'll see. Yeah, you hope for quarterback uh, Jordan Flores to get back in healthy as, po as soon as possible. You never know. With uh, you know, some, Sometimes these, these young kids can heal a lot faster than, uh, right. than people expect. Uh, the other Friday night game in 28-6A was over at Gus Stadium uh, between Clark and Holmes. And uh, Clark got their second district win. Shout out to Holmes, though, because it took them so long to get going offensively. They didn't score a touchdown for the first six games or so of the year uh, and, and put up uh, 19 points in a loss. They almost had the win, 21-19. Yeah, they scored some points last week as well, and, and I was kind of worried for those kids. I can't imagine what it might have been like to have gone through a regular season without scoring a, a point, my goodness gracious. But I was glad to see them get points last week, and, and they played uh, the Cougars, as you were pointing out there, uh, to within two points uh, over the weekend. But, uh, yeah, good win for Clark. That's a, that's a new head coach. Uh, coach, I believe, Geist is his name. And so year one for him, uh, and it's been a struggle for the Cougars. But, hey, they're building for 2020. We want to talk about a team that's had some off-the-field issues, some drama surrounding the Warren program uh, in the week leading up to this game. Uh, great job by the players, though, to focus in and pitch a shutout against Marshall, 15 nothing. That keeps Warren in the playoff discussion. Yeah, with their coach put on leave uh, with some on-campus uh, issues, you had concerns about how they would respond. Uh, MacArthur's had some issues as well with, uh, with their head coach, Ben Cook. But, uh, yeah, you, you put that stuff aside and, and you focus on the game at hand. And, and yeah, good, good to see them win in shutout fashion because they've got some postseason opportunities as well. So that was one of the Saturday games. That was at Ferris Team and then over at Gus. Brandeis staying perfect on the year. Uh, a good win against Jay, 35-14, as the Broncos can finish off a perfect regular season in the week to come. Jordan Battles is so confident right now. I was editing some highlights last night of that game, and it looks like to me that every time he scores a touchdown, he rips open his jersey like there's a Superman uh, emblem <laughs> underneath uh, underneath his jersey. So he's in a good place right now. <laughs> uh, for a couple of years now, I would say, Jordan Battles, you know, they, 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 they talked to me in the preseason already uh, back in – August, whenever it was, that they were already had on their calendar, how do we get through Westlake or Travis this year? Uh, so they're expecting big things, and if, if that game comes to fruition again, 
Can't wait. That would be an absolute blast to have, especially if it's in the Alamo Dome. It was get, last year. You get a little bit of that home field advantage going because you think about, okay, what's an Austin school and a San Antonio school? Where's the best place for them to meet up? Usually it's the Alamo Dome. And uh, that helps. That helps. I mean, obviously, those, those schools uh, from up in the Austin area, they travel well, but there's something nice about, you know, being closer to home. There was a dome triple header last year. I believe it was, I believe it was Brandeis and Westlake. It was Brennan and Travis and I forget Judson and somebody. But anyway, I hope the dome, I hope that schedule works out again this year. That's such a great fun day. Those are, those are a blast. Uh, and you don't <laughs> yeah. have to worry about the weather. I, That's I right. Love having the 72 dome. and no wind. <laughs> you get the Santa hats uh, in the crowd. <laughs> Because it's getting closer to the holidays, but it's still you, you, wouldn't, right. you wouldn't know it in, in the in the dome. So that's uh, that's great for for Brandeis. They're looking like a great team. So that's a look at 6A in the San Antonio area. Let's turn our attention now to the 5A, and then we'll also talk about 4A, 3A, and some of the private schools. We'll start with the lone representative in uh, District 12, 5A from the San Antonio area, the Seguin Matadors. Uh, they were hosting Austin Navarro and. Uh, Really, that's, that was a mismatch. 66 nothing the win for Seguin. They're playoff bound, and we'll talk in a little while about what their situation is in that district. Still have a chance to, to make some noise in the postseason. Yeah, uh, former UTSA offensive coordinator Travis Bush leading that program last year. Uh, they broke a long, dry spell and, and made the playoffs for the first time in forever. I don't, I don't recall exactly, but good to see those guys back there again. And if you've ever uh, been to a game in Seguin, they have the most amazing video screen you'll ever see. It's in enormous. Of, in one of their end zones. It's uh, a big, big yeah. video board. And, and that's saying something because Texas, there are a lot of high schools that have a video board, but Seguin's is, is very nice. Uh, the game of the week in the San Antonio area was not a 6A game this past week. It was a 5A game, and it was a really good one in the Judson ISD between Wagner and Veterans Memorial. It was the last regular season game of the season for the Thunderbirds, who had the Week 11 bye, and they wrap up a perfect district schedule, winning that uh, title in 13-5A by a score of 46-30, a good game between the Patriots and Thunderbirds. Yeah, it was tied at 30 for a long time, and the dam kind of finally broke there, uh, middle fourth quarter, and, and, and I believe Wagner ran away 46-30, uh, to 30, but, a, but a nod to vets. I mean, my goodness, this is their second year of competitive uh, 5A high school football, and, and they, they, they took the team that is the team in, in, that, uh, in that district to task of, for the majority of the game. Uh, but again, good win for, for Wagner, and uh, they talked a lot of noise this year to be honest with you about the Judson game and, and, and the Rockets didn't like that and blew those guys out but ever since that game Wagner has been on a mission and they've basically steamrolled everybody in that district race. Yeah that's those two teams have been the class of that district throughout the throughout the regular season it's been pretty one-sided when either of those two teams plays anybody else in the district and so those are clearly the top two teams in that district 13-5A D1 and uh, on Friday night Looks like the Thunderbirds proved they were 1A and, and Veterans Memorial, mm -hmm. at least for now, is 1B. Uh, that'll be something definitely to revisit in a couple years or even next year when they do redistricting. But to the rest of that district now, uh, on Thursday night at Alamo Stadium, the Lanier Vokes are very much in good position for the playoffs uh, with a, a real old-school kind of win, 7 nothing over Jefferson on uh, Thursday night. Uh, meanwhile, Alamo Stadium on Friday night, there was another team that came in 3-3 three and three in that district. That was Burbank. But they lost to Sam Houston. It sets up a very interesting last week of the season. Uh, good win for the Hurricanes there, 38-14. And then at SAISD Complex on Friday night, Highlands topped Edison 26-7. Yeah, I was surprised. Sam Houston came out and ran up some offense there on, on, on Burbank. I don't think the Bulldogs expected that, but hey, that's why they play the game. So going to be interesting to see uh, how, how things play out uh, in the final week for sure. And here's the matchup for that last week of the regular season. Lanier takes on Burbank Saturday afternoon at Alamo Stadium. That right now, Lanier has the one game lead, but 
because they play each other, if Burbank wins that, they take the tiebreaker and they would get the, the number four spot and, and get a playoff. So that is a, a straight-up play-in game, even though the standings right now don't show it. Yeah, absolutely it is. I mean, it's winner-take-all. And, and again, we've already made the point it's a playoff week, and here's a prime example of that. That's It's just going to be fun. That's going to be a fun one. And I, I love what we'll talk about a little bit more for the Week 11 schedule. A lot of the Saturday games are afternoon games. I was noticing that. Uh, two games in Northside are 2 o'clock kickoff. So I like it. kind of feels like it's that time-of-the-year, playoff-type year for some afternoon games. It's cool stuff. I like it a lot. Let's look now at 14-5A D1, home of the number four team in our sub-6A rankings. Uh, David Flores does a great job every week with the Kens5.com area rankings. The Harlan Hawks have had a great season, and they continued that on Friday night, traveling to Southwest and winning 38-7. They're still unbeaten, Harlan is. Listen, in, 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 in the preseason during, uh, during camp, we, we spent some time with those guys, and, and the ex- expectation was there. I mean, they talked about doing special things this year. Now, it's going to step up next year to really some big boy football in 6A, but this year, they're doing what they should be doing uh, with that program, and they're undefeated and good on them. Also in that district, Harlandale was at Laredo Martin on Friday night. This was an insanely high-scoring game. Uh, more than 100 combined points, and you don't say that very often, especially on a chilly night that Friday night was. It wasn't that, wasn't that warm beginning of the season, anything goes, you know, you're still working on tackling kind of thing. No, <laughs> 63-48, a win for Martin. Uh, Laredo Martin defeating Harlandale in that game. And then uh, this one's interesting because Southwest Legacy is another team that has that Week 11 bye. So their last game of the regular season was in Week 10, and they won to stay in the playoff conversation. They defeated Eagle Pass win 35-24. Yeah, 6-4, and four. so sit back and wait and see what happens, yep. Yeah, now 3-3 three and three in district, and uh, looking at that district, Southwest Legacy has a tiebreaker over Southwest, but not against Harlandale. So some three-way ties, some two-way ties. It could all shake out in a bunch of different ways. We'll talk about it in a few minutes. Uh, in the meantime, though, we'll talk about 14-5A Division II, which has uh, really two great programs in Bernie Champion and Kerrville Tyvee. And they played each other to start district play, and it was Tyvee winning that. So you feel like they're going to just kind of coast to the, to the district championship, and Bernie Champion just has to kind of continue to, to take care of their business. Uh, and, and that's sort of been the story throughout. It, those two teams have continued to be the class of the district, but you still have to play the games. And Kerrville Tyvee won their matchup against Lockhart 31 13 on Friday night. Meanwhile, Bernie Champion blanked Memorial. 52-0. Yeah, listen, both those teams can play really, really, really impressive offense, and uh, those are two teams that historically make nice uh, deep runs into the postseason, so always excited to uh, to, to cover those two teams. Head coach uh, Keith Kaiser, Kaiser excuse me, at Tyvee, just kind of steady as she goes. You know, it seems year after year uh, they kind of do what they've been doing. I was at the uh, Medina Valley Alamo Heights game for a little bit, and Alamo Heights, the offense just has not been there for those guys this season. And that's been unlike Mike Norman's program. But, you know, this is a game played by human beings. There are ups and downs and peaks and valleys, and it just hadn't been there for the Mules. But they'll bounce back next year. But, yeah, I mean, like you say, man, uh, Tyvee and, uh, and, and Champion, woof. Talk about offenses. Those guys are fun. Yeah, you, you talked about that Medina Valley-Alamo Heights game, and I want to go back to it for a moment. Yeah. Medina Valley won that game 17-10, and going in, that was a very important game because going into Week 10, uh, Alamo Heights, Lockhart, and Medina Valley were all 3-2 and two in that district. That's three teams fighting for two spots, obviously still with two weeks to play, and we mentioned uh, Lockhart lost to Kerrville-Tyvee. So right now, Medina Valley has the one-game lead over both of those teams. No, it's a huge road win from Medina Valley to roll, roll into Heights and get that done. Yep, for sure. 
Uh, but we'll talk about the, the playoff scenarios for that district as well in a few minutes. It gets pretty wild in terms of the different tiebreakers and who beat who to get to where they are. The last game in that district on Friday night, Uvalde uh, beat Kennedy 56-13. Over in 15-5 AD2, uh, it's a good mix of San Antonio and non-San Antonio area schools. The Southside Cardinals came into the last two weeks of the season needing one win in their last two to clinch a playoff spot. They did that by, in week nine, beating uh, Gregory Portland in a, in a really important tiebreaker kind of win for the Cardinals. They had a tough task in front of them on Friday night uh, hosting Port Lavaca Calhoun. The Sand Crabs came into San Antonio and won that game 57-27. to So it comes down to the last week of the regular season for Southside when they take on Floorsville. Speaking of Floorsville, they were at Somerset on Friday night, and Somerset picked up their first district win. A nice W for Sonny Detmer and his team. 56-48, another high-scoring contest. Coach Detmer, I mean, how, how much longer is this guy going to go at? He's, he's been around for a few years now. Yeah, and he's, uh, he knows a thing or two about quarterbacks. But, yeah, good, good, good guy, good man, good on him. Over in the 4A ranks, we'll start in District 13, 4A, Division 2. Plenty of really good teams in that district, and we'll start with Geronimo Navarro, because they were unbeaten going in, taking on a program in Cuero that's on a down year this year. They had a great senior class a year ago, coming off a state championship, and uh, just a lot of young guys getting reps. Cuero nearly, nearly shocked the Panthers, uh, but Navarro stays perfect, 22-14. Navarro's a really good program. I've, I've done some stories out there. I just know how to get it done. So, I mean, if you were to ask me, am I surprised by what they're doing? The answer would be no. They just keep doing it year after year. <laughs> Another ranked team from that district in our sub-6A rankings. Uh, Bandera was at Eastside Memorial. That was a Thursday night game, and uh, no surprise, it's been a, a tough season for Eastside Memorial. Bandera handles them 49-6. Other game in that district, Wimberley staying in the hunt. I think they're pretty much a playoff lock at this point with a 48-27 win over Alano. Yeah, 7-2. and two. Wimberley, really good program, and that community, as we all know, has been through a lot the last couple of years. So really, really happy to see their football program doing so well this year. 14-4 AD1, the Batland Billies won a low-scoring affair. Fredericksburg on the road against Burnett, 10-7. And Canyon Lake falling uh, for the second straight week, I believe, at Lampasas, 56-35. Uh, 14-4 AD2, trio of games to talk about. Carrizo Springs was at Crystal City, and the host won that one. Crystal City, 19. Carrizo Springs, 15. Hondo, a uh, road warrior kind of win for them, 55-13 at Pearsall. Meanwhile, Divine shut out Poteet, 21 nothing. Divine's always a steady program. Good to see them at 5-4, and four, and uh, seems like year after year they're kind of in the mix. Yeah, 5-4 and four overall, but 4-0 and oh in that district. So, True, good point. Yep. Uh, that's yep. been a district where a lot of those teams came in with uh, non-district records that weren't eye-popping, that sort of didn't jump, up, jump out at you, but you start getting into district and those, those wins start to pile up, especially uh, for teams that are at the top of that district in the pecking order. 15-4 AD1, the home of Bernie, the Greyhounds, they had a tough road game against Lavernia. That's a very good program historically, uh, but Bernie's having a great year. They won that game 34-27. Meanwhile, Beeville Jones just continues to romp through that district as they defeated Pleasanton 37-26. Beeville Jones still unbeaten. Yeah, well, good team for them this year. And, you know, in the last couple of years, I've seen Bernie uh, get better, and it's so it's no longer entirely about the champion Chargers up that way. So good to see the Greyhounds. They, they've had some tough, tough years, but I'm, I'm pleased to see them doing well. That's good. That's good. A lot of good football throughout the Hill Country. It's not just, you know, kerrville Tyvee anymore. It's not just Bernie champion. It's it really yeah. start, it's starting to get... Uh, all over the place in terms of where the where the talent is up in the hill country. In the 3A ranks, two San Antonio districts, 15-3A, D1. Jurdenton defeated Randolph, 41-35. Carnes City 
42, Lytle 27, and Marion beat Cotula 24-14. In 15-3A D2, Poth shut out Dilly 67-0, Natalia beat Nixon Smiley 28-6, and Stockdale handled Skidmore Tynan 48-18. I'm always impressed just by the athletic department overall at Poth. I mean, they just do everything. Seems like they do everything really, really well, and they hear their football team is 8-1 and one and undefeated in district play. Last but not least, we talk about the, the private schools in TAPS Division One and TAPS Division Two. Houston St. Pius was at Antonian. Antonian's had a great start to their season. They've been a mainstay in the sub-6A rankings on kens5.com, which is a real accomplishment for, for one of the private school teams. And uh, they won again, 44-26 against a, a good Houston St. Pius team. Meanwhile, uh, their rivals in Central Catholic hosted Tomball Concordia Lutheran. They won that game as well, 37-7. That sets up a fun San Antonio rivalry game between Antonian and Central Catholic in Week 11. There's nothing more that uh, head coach Van Fushak of Antonian would love to do than to roll into Central and get one this week. Can't wait for that one. Last but not least, uh, San Antonio Christian losing on the road to Corpus Christi John Paul, 27-15. So that was a look at everything that was going on in San Antonio high school football in Week 10. Let's turn now to crunch time. Down to the wire, week 11. These are games being played on uh, November 7th, 8th, and 9th. Most of the games on uh, Friday the 8th, but we'll mention when it isn't. And we'll start in District 26-6A, back at the top again. Uh, here's where it gets interesting. Judson is 9-0, 6-0 in district. Clemens is 8-1, 6-0 in district. This is a district championship game. There's a lot of bragging rights on the line. Clemens' only loss of the season was to Reagan in the first game they had Travis Staley back to wrap up non-district. So Clemens, they started 2-0, they lost, and now they've won six in a row. Judson, obviously, 9-0. Uh, and 0. This should be a really fun game. I hope this is the game I get assigned to cover. I might <laughs> be a little bit angry if I'm not. Uh, they've had some big games at Linhoff the last few years when it's been Judson and Steele or, or Clemens and Judson or whoever where they've put up extra seating, extra stands around uh, the, the, the end zones of that stadium. And that might be the case this week at Linhoff. It's going to be huge, uh, you know, kind of mano a mano here, you know, 9-0 and versus 8-1 and and may the best team win. Let's go. Here's another very interesting game. We've talked about the East Central Hornets, Joe Hubbard's team. They have the tiebreaker over New Braunfels, but not Smithson Valley. Steele right now is 4-2 and two in that district. They should be fine in terms of getting into the playoffs, but I think there might still be a very weird scenario where they don't. But I think they, if they win, they're obviously in. Uh, they're on the road against East Central. East Central, if they win, and Smithson Valley also wins, there would be a three-way tie for third. So there'd be three teams and two spots. And I, again, I don't know how all the tiebreakers break down, and every district might do it a little differently. Yeah, yeah. But uh, New Braunfels is at Smithson Valley. So Smithson Valley's losses, like we talked about, they're, they're to the top three teams in that district in Steele, Clemens, and Judson. Smithson Valley, if they win and Steele wins, which I think are probably the most likely results, then those would be your last two playoff teams out of that district. You never know, though. No, I mean, the, the, the easiest math for Steele is to roll into East Central and win. And then the, the math for Smithson Valley is to handle your business at home. And uh, I would, if you ask me who I would favor in either one of those games, I would pick Steele and I would pick Smithson Valley. Yeah, and that would, make, that would mean there's really no uh, ties to, that need to be broken among the, among right. the playoff teams. Right. Yep. And that certainly makes that the easiest. Uh, if Steele wins but New Braunfels beats Smithson Valley, then you have a three-way tie at three and four for the fourth playoff spots. You have a three-way tie for one spot. So you could have a three-way tie for two spots or a three-way tie for one spot, or you could have no ties at all. 
that is a fun district and something to definitely keep your eye on in the last week. Uh, one other game in that district as well, San Marcos against New Braunfels Canyon. Neither of those teams has won a game yet this year, so somebody's leaving with a district win and someone's finishing their season uh, winless. You know, head coach uh, Mark Soto there with the San Marcos uh, Rattlers, a really good guy, great guy. You know, they work hard up there. They've got NFL-type facilities since they passed that bond in San Marcos a few years ago and finally got their own facility built at San Marcos High School. And I'm, I'm kidding you not, Cameron. It is NFL-worthy. I've been inside the thing. It's amazing. Those kids work hard. And I don't like it that somebody's going to finish 0-10. That, that's sometimes that's real life in sports. But somebody's going to get there first, and somebody will roll into spring ball trying to figure it out. It, that is such a competitive district. It's really hard. If you're, if you're going to put any two or three other teams in a league with Smithson Valley, Steel, Clemens, Judson, I mean, at a certain point, someone, someone has to lose those games to those teams because those teams don't lose very much. So. There are no off weeks, and I look forward to realignment in February maybe to see uh, where some decisions are made. We'll, we'll stand by and see on that. Over in 27-6A, it's a situation where it looks like three teams are in, Madison, Roosevelt, and Johnson. And the, we talked about the situation for the Reagan Rattlers. They're a win-and-get-in kind of game, and that is going to be a road game for them at South Sand, which is a tough team to prepare for on, on a week's notice. They, they run that veer option. It's a very tough place to play sometimes, but if Reagan can handle their business, they're in. That's the key. Can they handle their business? And you're right, uh, South Sand, they're better. They're better, so there's no guarantee at all that Reagan can roll in there and get it done. So that's going to be a beat them up, bruise them up, and uh, look forward to watching that one play out. That'll be a Friday night game at South Sand. There is one Thursday night game in that district, and it's between Churchill and Roosevelt. So uh, that's at Comalander Stadium on Thursday night. Churchill, if they win, they're going to be rooting so hard for South Sand. They're going to be pulling like crazy for South Sand to win that game because then Churchill can get in. If Churchill loses that game, they're still rooting for South Sand because that would turn into a three-way tie if South Sand beats Reagan. So there's still a lot that can be going on in that district. Uh, the other two games, one between Madison and Johnson, obviously there's a lot, I think there's more intrigue in those other games, but don't tell that to the Madison Mavs and the Johnson Jaguars because that's a district championship game for Madison. They can finish an unbeaten run through that league. That's at Hero Stadium on Friday night. And I want to give a nod there to head coach Blaine Peterson. Uh, you know, he spent a lot of years working with Ron Riddiman at Johnson, and he got an opportunity to take over that program, I believe, after Mark Smith resigned and, and moved on. So good for him and good for those Madison kids. They suffered through a couple of really difficult years, but they have obviously bounced back in a big way. And talking about the Roosevelt Rough Riders, uh, what a banner year they're having. Head coach Matt Carroll just done a hell of a job, honestly, and they've got that running back. Uh, the kid is a powerhouse. He's a stud, and man, to see them with an opportunity to finish 9-1, and one, good good, good for Roosevelt. They've kind of been an afterthought in recent years, but they are back, and this has been impressive. I'm, I'm happy for them. Yeah, we spent all that time talking about Churchill in that game, but the, yeah, they have to face Roosevelt, and that's been a really <laughs> difficult task for most teams in that district. The Rough Riders, 8-1 and one overall, 5-1 and one in that district. Uh, and that other district game as well, uh, Friday night at Comalander Stadium. Uh, Lee takes on MacArthur, both of those teams, winless in district with one overall win on the season. So a chance to end the season on a high note for both of those teams. And then over in 28-6A, we talked about Brennan, Brandeis, and O'Connor in. Here's how it breaks down for that last playoff spot. Stevens comes into the last week 5-3. and three. Warren and Jay are both 4-4 four and four in district. Stevens lost to Jay but beat Warren, and Warren beat Jay. So if you have a three-way tie... you repeat all that? I'm kidding. <laughs> if you have a three-way tie, those teams are all one and one against each other, how it is what you need to know. Stevens, obviously, coming in a game ahead of everybody else, 
they win, they're in. The problem for them, they play O'Connor. Uh, Stevens takes on O'Connor. That's a Thursday night game at Ferris Stadium. If they pull off the upset against a very good O'Connor team, they're in. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the Panthers aren't going to feel sorry for you. They're gonna, no, they're not gonna, at all. They're going to go out looking for a, a win to close their regular season, so good luck to Stevens on that. Yes, O'Connor w- coming off their win against Brennan. They can lock up number two in the district with a, uh, with a win, and, and that would be a, an 8-2 and two regular season. Nothing, nothing to scoff at for O'Connor, even though obviously they'd rather be the district champions, but that's, that's out of their control at this point. Holmes takes on Brennan in the other Thursday night game. That's over at Gus. Shouldn't be a problem for Brennan to finish uh, the regular season uh, eight and two overall and seven and two in district. Yep. The two Friday night games feature those uh, Warren and Jay, and a chance for some of these teams to play spoiler. This is where it gets interesting. Warren takes on Clark. Jay takes on Marshall. Clark and Marshall out of the playoff picture, but can one of them pull off the upset and make it a little bit more interesting? as we try to figure out who's the number four team in that league. They'll be playing these games, and each team will be asking for uh, alerts. A lot of alerts. Score updates as as their own game moves along. Yep, yep, going to be a lot of fun there. And then the team that doesn't have to do any scoreboard watching, the Brandeis Broncos, they have the Saturday afternoon game at Ferris Stadium. They take on Taft and a perfect season on the line for Brandeis. They'll try to get to 10-0 with a 9-0 district mark. They'll get there. I think so. I think so. Uh, our friends from Seguin in 12-5 AD1, they have a, a second-place game for their district. They're all behind Dripping Springs in 12-5 AD1. That's a great program that actually beat Kerrville-Tyvee this year. Never always good. Uh, so it's between Seguin and Austin LBJ. It's a road game for Seguin. Both of those teams come in 5-1 and one in district. Playoff position secured. It's just a matter of who's going to be number two, who's going to be number three in that league. Yeah, it's going to be a tough assignment, but uh, I guess as you just say there, you know, even if you lose the game, you're, you're still going to keep playing on. So that would be the bit of good news there for Seguin. In 13-5 AD1, we talked about Wagner winning the district championship in week 10. They're off in week 11. Veterans Memorial takes on Sam Houston. It's a home game for Veterans Memorial over at Rutledge Stadium. Uh, Veterans Memorial can lock up second place. They could finish 8-2 and two overall and 7-1 and one in district. But Sam Houston, they've already got three district wins. So if they win, they, again, it would be a big upset. But if they win, they're in the playoff conversation. Here's how it shakes out. Uh, Lanier and Burbank, we talked about it. This is a, a, a fourth place game, so to speak. But if Burbank beats Lanier, those two teams would be both 4-4. Four and four. And if Sam Houston pulls off an upset, they'd also be 4-4. Four and four. So you'd have a three-way tie for uh, the, the fourth spot. That's because Brackenridge has the third spot secure. They're 6-2 and two in that district. They take on Highlands Friday at Alamo Stadium, and then Thursday night at Alamo Stadium, it's Edison and Jefferson, a lock and horns. I would uh, pick Vets to uh, take care of Sam Houston. However, having said that, I, I know the Patriots are going to be watching some game film because Sam Houston put up 38 points in, in their win uh, just a couple of days ago. So there you go. Yeah, but I think all eyes should be on the, the Saturday afternoon game at Alamo Stadium between Lanier and Burbank. Assuming Sam Houston is not able to upset Veterans Memorial, then that is a straight-up play-in game for the playoffs. There you go. Uh, Lanier and Burbank. That's, again, it's Saturday, and I, I don't know how excited people are to watch Saturday afternoon high school football, but if you can get to the Alamo Stadium for that game, I yeah, am. absolutely. Uh, I know we are. We do, we do a high school football podcast here. You know we're excited about it. <laughs> Uh, 14-5 AD1, Southwest Legacy, they're going to sit idle. Uh, they're 3-3 three and three in that district. They beat Southwest, who's right now 3-2, and two, but lost to Harlandale, who's 2-3. and three. So you're rooting against Harlandale if you're Southwest Legacy, and Harlandale plays in a rivalry game this Friday. It's the Frontier Bowl at Harlandale Memorial Stadium. 
the winless McCollum Cowboys against the Harlandale Indians, who are 2-3 and three in that league, 4-4 four and four overall. Assuming Harlandale is able to beat McCollum, who obviously hasn't beaten anybody this year, then, then you turn to, uh, to Southwest and uh, what they're doing. They have a, uh, a win-and-get-in sort of situation. Peter Wagner's Dragons at Eagle Pass win, who's just 1-4 and four on the year. Yeah, that's going to be a long, uh, long drive uh, for those guys, but uh, why not go get it? I mean, this is what you want again this time of the year. So, yeah, big, big road game for those kids. And last but definitely not least, how about another district championship game? Uh, in Week 11, Laredo Martin is at Harlan. That's Saturday afternoon at Gus. Harlan is unbeaten. They're 9-0 overall, 5-0 in district. Laredo Martin, 4-1 in that district. So Martin can claim a district title if they beat Harlan, and they'd have the tiebreaker there. So the work is definitely not done for the Hawks. No, big, big, big week for them. A huge game. But uh, I, I like the Hawks uh, at home, obviously, with, a, with a Martin making the drive up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you can't take this thing lightly. I mean, a lot on the line for sure. There's another great district with another great tiebreak situation, 14-5A Division Two. Medina Valley beat Alamo Heights, and Alamo Heights beat Lockhart, but Lockhart beat Medina Valley. You could see another three-way tie, but it's unlikely because I don't think Alamo Heights is going to beat Bernie Champion. That's their Week 11 matchup. Here's how it shakes out in that district. Uh, Alamo Heights comes in 3-3 three and three in district. Bernie Champion is 5-1. and one. Bernie Champion is the home team, and uh, according to my math, Alamo Heights actually is eliminated with a loss in this game, which is a little tough in, in such a competitive district that, you, you know, you're coming into the last week 500 in the league, but because of the way other things are working out, that's how it is. Yeah, I mean, that's the hard truth there, absolutely. The Salsa Bowl will take place on Friday night at Edgewood Veterans Memorial Stadium between Kennedy and Memorial. Memorial does have a district win. Uh, Kennedy does not. So uh, that could be a fun one, and you know both teams will be up for that game. Kerrville Tyvee travels to Medina Valley. Even with a loss, the Panthers are probably in, and uh, the Antlers can lock up an unbeaten district run going 9-1 and one overall uh, if with a win on the road. Yeah, don't sleep on Medina Valley, but uh, Kerrville Tyvee's offense, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm to pick them to roll into Medina Valley and, and get it done. Just too much offense there. I, I think uh, the Antlers look too impressive to me. The last game in that district is another play-in game, assuming uh, that Alamo Heights can't pull off the upset against Bernie Champion. Talking about Uvalde at Lockhart. Uh, Uvalde comes in 2-4 and four in district. Lockhart comes in 3-3. Three and three. But uh, obviously with a win, Uvalde would have the tiebreaker over Lockhart, and a 3-4 and four team would, uh, would come in a, a, as, the, uh, as the number four team because... Uh, Uvalde ends up winning a three-way a three -way tiebreaker between Alamo Heights, Lockhart, and Uvalde. Alamo Heights actually lost to both of those teams, so there's, there's really nothing they can do unless they win that game against Bernie Champion. Yeah, another game where you're playing each other but scoreboard watching at the same time. Yes. <laughs> a lot of that this week. I love, I love how that's all going to happen all, all on Friday night. There's just so much stuff going I've on. I've actually been at a high school football game years ago where it was Lubbock Coronado against somebody, and Lubbock Coronado, A, had to win, and B, have somebody else lose. The other game finished before their game was over, and I saw the, the look on the sideline when the PA announcer addressed uh, that the other team had won, and sort of the life just went out of Coronado, and they were no longer playing as hard because all of a sudden it's, well, we've been eliminated. So those scenarios are always fascinating to watch. The, the flip side, I think, is, is way more fun when you find out that the other that you needed something to happen and it did happen yeah, and now sure. suddenly you know you get yeah. that you get that juice going especially because it could happen in the fourth quarter of a close game totally could it, it, it really can swing can swing games and it's just this, as simple as a PA announcement so <laughs> really fun stuff uh, 15-5 AD2 Cal Allen Calhoun and Alice I believe are pretty much in 
Southside is in with a win because Gregory Portland is at Alice. So I believe Southside can also back into the playoffs. They don't want to. They have a road game at Floresville. Uh, Ricky Locks Cardinals can get in with a win in that game. And I would pick them to go on the road and, and, and win that game. And it's got a good program going on down there these days. But it is on the road, and, and we've talked about it already. Floresville will want to play spoiler, but uh, hopefully the cards can do what they need to do. Meanwhile, Somerset takes on Toluso Midway, both of those teams 1-5 and five in that district. In the 4A ranks, Navarro and Bandera. This is a great last game of the regular season for both teams. Navarro is the favorite, I would say. They're 4-0 in that district. Bandera is 3-1 in that district. Another district championship game, both teams in the playoffs, but you love these sort of sub-playoff games, especially district championship games. Yeah, this one's massive. 9-0 and versus 8-1. and I mean, uh, let's uh, line up and play this thing. Can't wait for that one. Also in that district, Wimberley is at Cuero, and Eastside Memorial is at Lano. It's a win-and-in situation for Lano, and uh, Eastside Memorial is, is winless on the year. So 14-4-A, D1. Lampasas is at Fredericksburg, another district championship game. Both of those teams 4-0 and in that league. Awesome. Can't wait for that one. Going to be good. Batlin Billies. Good stuff there. Uh, Liberty Hill at Canyon Lake. It's a win and get in for Canyon Lake. In 14-4 AD2, uh, it's a play-in game for fourth place in the district between Pearsall and Poteet. Both teams 2-7 and seven overall, 1-3 and three in district. But you play one of those small districts, six teams, and there's four playoff spots available. So, yeah, you know, you can get into the playoffs at 2-3 and three in the league in that district. I was going to say records don't look impressive, but that's the way it works, as you just mentioned. And it's an opportunity for somebody to play one more game, and that's all you can ask for this time of the year. The Divine War Horses can wrap up a perfect regular season in terms of district play with a win on the road at Carrizo Springs. Meanwhile, Crystal City takes on Hondo. The winner of that game can claim second place in that small district. We're talking about 14-4-A D2. 15-4-A D1, a Thursday game in Bernie, Gonzalez at Bernie. Both teams are 2-1 and one in that district, and they're playing for second behind uh, unbeaten Beville Jones. Well, hey, I mean, uh, lots to play for uh, there. And as we've mentioned, the Greyhounds, are they're a little bit better this season, and uh, so an opportunity for them for sure. Meanwhile, Lavernia takes on Pleasanton, and this is, I think, a five-team district with four teams that make the playoffs. Again, that's how UIL shakes it out. Mm -hmm. uh, so neither Lavernia nor Pleasanton has a district win yet. And uh, the winner of that game will get to be in the playoffs. At, Somebody's going to get there first. Somebody's going to get there first, exactly. <laughs> uh, in 15-3A D1, Kotula is done at 3-3. Three three. They lost to Randolph and Carn City, but they beat Cole. So, again, another weird league where a three-way tie is sort of possible, but maybe unlikely. Uh, Randolph is 3-2. They visit Carn City. Uh, if Cole loses to Jordanton, uh, Randolph is in either way. But... I think they'd rather just you know win and 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 take care of business. Uh, Randolph has the ability to knock uh, Carn City out, I think. And uh, Lytle is at Marion. That shouldn't be a particularly close game. Marion's four and one in district. Lytle's zero oh and five. And Cole is two and three. They're at Jordanton, who's four and one. And Jordanton can claim a district championship if they win that game. Yeah, right in front of Jordanton, and uh, again four and one there in district. Cole two and three. So, yep. Again, you know this is uh, exactly uh, the scenario they want to be in this time of the year. In 15-3A D2, it's a win-and-get-in situation for the Nixon Smiley Mustangs. They take on Dilly on Friday night. Natalia is at Skidmore Tynan, and Stockdale is at Poth uh, to wrap up that district. As we turn our attention finally to the TAPS teams, and we mentioned that little rivalry game, Antonian at Central Catholic. They're both 2-1 and one in their district behind uh, Houston St. Thomas. 
I've been to that game before, and uh, you know, hey, it's uh, it's it's it, it's private, uh, it's Catholic schools, but uh, there's no apologies here. Uh, this this one has a long-standing tradition, and uh, both want to want to win and win big, and uh, so it's it's a cool scene uh, over there at uh, at Central or Antonian, but this year at Central Catholic. Yeah, and I think you talk about Central Catholic. They they also play that rivalry game against Holy Cross. That's in the beginning of the season yeah. because that's a, a non-district game right now. They, that they play that at the Alamo Stadium, uh, and. Uh, Holy Cross has the bragging rights the last couple of years, so yeah. Central Catholic, they, they don't want to go uh, over in their, uh, in their rivalry games against uh, San Antonio private schools. Uh, San Antonio Christian wraps up their regular season with a non-district game against Austin Brentwood Christian, and Holy Cross can finish their district play unbeaten if they beat Brownsville St. Joseph on Friday. Nice. Good on those kids. They've had a great year. Yep. A lot of great years, a lot more great football to come. As uh, really, the real season begins next week, Vinny, with the, with the playoffs starting. And you know what they say about the playoffs. There's, there's no more bad teams. It's all good teams the rest of the way. Some of these teams still fighting for their playoff lives. Other teams just kind of waiting to see how things shake out. We'll be back in a week to break down exactly what happened in Week 11, as well as give you a playoff preview. Vinny, it's been a pleasure to have you on board. I can't uh, believe it's that time of the year. Uh, it seemed like we just started, but here we are at week 10 or week 11, what, however they counted up in high school ball with zero week these days. And yeah, let's, I, I say let's get through this next week and get on to some, some playoffs, even though a lot of de facto playoff games uh, th this Friday. But yeah, I love this time of the year. Thanks for having me. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, be sure to rate and subscribe. We're on wherever you get your podcasts. This is, again, Friday Night Football Replay, a Ken's 5 podcast. I'm Cameron Songer. He's Vinny Vinzetta. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening.